This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by my co-host Dylan Ray. And we have with us today, our guest is Chad Jones from Texas. Chad, welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Well, thanks for having me on, fellas. Look forward to it. Absolutely. I, I, you know, speaking a little bit before and, and knowing just a little bit, one of the things I'm excited to talk about is that you have a legitimate 200-inch buck that, that you took with a bow down in Texas. and. I know for for Dylan and I and a lot of folks, if you look at Facebook and you look at all these places, there are a lot of 200-inch bucks that get shot, but not really. And so when somebody has one, there, there's a, I tell people there's a huge difference between a number and a score. A number is what your taxidermist or your buddy gives you, you know, after stretching the tape on the tailgate. A score is what you have when you go through the process, you get it officially measured, you get it officially entered, verified, and registered in the book. And at that time, you have an official score. And I believe yours official score is 233 and 7 eighths. That's correct. So that's that's a pretty good buck. Um, what's, what's your second biggest? Well, my second biggest... Um is a 172 and then last year i shot 
151 inch eight point. Okay. And so that, that's my, so that's kind of my pecking order. Uh, man, I, I had another 200 incher on camera this year that I was chasing and just could not get on him. A lot of hunting pressure. Um, it just didn't work out. Spent a lot of, a lot of time in the stand trying to make the right moves, but he's, uh, he's old and savvy, but be interesting to see what he, what he looks like next year. Yeah. They don't get big by being stupid. No, no, they yeah. don't. No, Dylan and I call all the stupid ones out at the fork and horn level. <laughs> so, yeah. I can He's your own guys. Yeah, for sure. So tell, tell us about the, the hunt where you got that big one. I'd like to hear about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I'm hunting in Collin County. It's, um, it's a county that's in kind of, I would say, really north central Texas. You know, um, we're about an hour um, just south of the Red River into Oklahoma. And, um, and so I actually had some friends that was hunting this property um, for years before I had gotten on it. And um, uh, some new development came in and, and bought the land. And, and so um, just had ties with some people that knew some people and they were like, Hey man, this, uh, this lease is coming up. Um, you interested in getting on it? And I knew exactly where it was and I'd seen pictures of the deer. That's why I was like, yeah, I'm in. And so, uh, so there were four of us total that went in together on this property. And, uh, you know, uh, November 1st was actually the start of our lease timeframe uh, instead of October 1st, like it's normally for both season for us, but it was just the way the sale of the land transition stuff went. Uh, that was the timing. So I was a little late to the game of trying to get out there, you know, right when the rut is really starting for, for us. And anyway, so went out, put out some cameras and, um, and, uh, the night that I, or I found a, a really large diameter rub on one of the trees, about a 10 inch diameter rub. And I was like, man, this thing's going to be a giant out here. And, um, so I put a cell camera on the, on that tree or we're looking at that tree. And later that night, was at like 10 o'clock that night, a picture of this just mega wide buck with a massive drop time shows up just standing there looking, you know, he was going back to the rub and I guess, you know, just sent checking it. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And, um, you know, and I knew there were some big gear there, but I mean, this, this thing was a whole nother level, you know, and special. So, oh yeah. 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 And so, um, so then it, it turned into, okay, well now I need to figure out, is he on our property? Is he coming from somewhere else? You know, is he betting somewhere else? You know, just trying to, basically I'm trying to come up with a game plan at like an accelerated rate because knowing, you know, that, with the rut coming, he might be seven miles down the creek, hit by a car, or shot by somebody, you know. Um, so it's like, man, I've got to, I've got to figure this out extremely quickly, you know. And um, and so I, uh, I went back down a couple days later, put out some more cell cameras, kind of on different areas, um, you know. Once all the guys had kind of identified where they were wanting to hunt at and everything, um, you know, basically got on uh, on a hunt stand app, went through you know, some of the topography and the thick areas and kind of, you know, trying to think of where he might be staying and come from. And, and then essentially just let the cameras do the work. Then, you know, I was getting a lot of pictures of him, but it was only at night. And, um, 
you know, he's just kind of monitoring the way he's coming in, where he's going out, which cameras he's showing up, the time in between those cameras, um, and just got hundreds of pictures of him, but wow. no daylight pictures. Yeah. And so I was like, well, this isn't going to do me a whole lot of good, you know, um, but I was optimistic that the ladies were going to get him on his feet at some point. And then on, um, uh, it was, I guess, November 13th was the first daylight picture. And then I was like, it's game time. Um, I was pretty confident he was staying on our property just because of, you know, the times I was seeing him right after dark. Um, you know, it might be 15 minutes after dark. So I'm like, okay, he's betting somewhere close by that, you know, I'm catching him, um, you know, cause he's all, I knew he wasn't traveling a long distance in the daylight and just getting dark right after dark, you know? And so, um, you know, so then it, it just boiled down to, all right, well, here's these stand locations. This is where I'm seeing him frequenting. This is where I think he's coming from. So I kind of isolated where I thought his core bedding area probably was. And then basically just, you know, looked at the wind direction for those days, put in my vacation. I essentially put in, took all my vacation. Uh, my wife thought I had lost my mind, but I was like, you know, you understand, I'm going to kill this deer. I was like, I'm going to kill this deer. And I was like, whatever it takes. And so I told my boss, I showed him a picture and he was cool with it. He's like, dude, I don't blame you. You know? And um, so took all my vacation time and pretty much hunted just about every single day. Um, you know, as long as the, the wind direction was right for me. And uh, I mean, just ungodly amount of hours. And um, so anyway, never saw him. Um, in person until November 17th. And I was at one of the other guys was hunting there too. And he was actually hunting on the South end and it was a, kind of a South, the Southeast wind. And so, I, so where I was predominantly getting a picture of the buck was on my South stand, you know, my South location. And I was like, well, this isn't going to do a lot of good because this is his bedding area and his wind's blowing into his bedding area, he's not ever coming out and getting to me at this point. So I kind of just use a little reverse psychology on the situation, thought, all right, well, if he smells in his bedding area on this end, I'll go to the north end on the opposite side and it maybe push him out. And sure enough, um, I, uh, I'm sitting there and uh, I see something, I see legs kind of coming down this trail and I had found another uh, scrape and uh and rub on one of these trees that i set up on and i see these legs coming through the through the woods and then finally kind of looking down and i see the antlers and there was no mistaking him at this point and i was just like oh dude this is about to happen and in the, the scrape and the and the rub was exactly 20 yards from my stand so i'm getting everything knocked getting in position i'm like this is gonna happen i'm gonna kill this deer for whatever reason and winds to my face and uh he just gets off of the trail and he kind of walks around the edge and he comes to this little clear cut and he's about 45 yards and um i'm just sitting there thinking please please come over here and so he gets out into the in right to the edge of the opening and he's not quite where i would have a shot but i didn't really want to try to shoot that far to begin with um you know especially since he was alert and so I was just like, oh, man, come on. It, so finally he turns his head. And I mean, I'm just like, this thing is 
insane. Of course, you know, then I'm having trouble holding it together at this point. I'm like, oh my God. And he's, so he's just kind of scanning around looking for does. I was, I was kind of backed up to a doe bedding area. And um, anyway, so he was just coming in there looking around and scent checking for does. And he stops and he kind of looks around on this little draw, turns, goes back the way he came. I guess went back to his bed and I was like, oh my gosh. And of course, I'm rattled at this point and going, all right, well, now do I keep hunting this spot or do I go back right. to where I've been getting all the other pictures of them? And so it was kind of a little bit of a game of cat and mouse trying to figure out what the other hunters were doing and where they were sitting and trying to figure out where that was going to position me. And so anyway, so put in a bunch more hours, never saw them. And, um, and then Thanksgiving morning, we were actually hosting Thanksgiving at my house bunch of family were coming in and I told my wife, I was like, I was like, Hey, I'm getting, and so I was getting some daylight pictures of them on camera at this point. Of course, you know, it was opposite cameras of where I was sitting and I was like, yeah, he's driving me nuts. And, uh, anyway, so I told you just wife, thought, Hey, I, I'm going to score a few brownie points on Thanksgiving day by leaving to go hunting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. All right. Exactly. Well, you know, my wife kind of understands she, you know, she married into that. You know what I'm saying? Like she, she kind of knew I was ate up with hunting, but it got to an extreme with a deer like that. And so, um, so anyway, I, uh, I get up super so, early. So by that, I got to ask you, so by this time, are you thinking, man, 45 yards is looking pretty good right now? I questioned it. Uh, I, I questioned it a lot in my mind. Um, you know, when I went back and replayed it, but then it was kind of like, you know, I couldn't really dwell on the past because I'm like, he was, if, if he wouldn't have been alert, you know, he would have just kind of been, you know, eating or paying attention to something else where I wouldn't have really thought he would have jumped the string or, you know, or jumped the arrow or whatever, you know, then it might've been a little different, but I mean, it was, you could have heard a pin drop out there and he was, mm. I mean, he was watching, he was so focused that I'm like, man, I, I can't, I don't, don't think I can risk it. Yeah, I just can't risk that, you know, and um, which was tough. It was really tough because I didn't know if I would ever see him again, you know, um, especially after already putting in that many hours to get the opportunity. You don't get many at a deer like that. And so it's almost like you got to take the opportunity when you get it because you may not never you may never get it again. Yeah. And so and we're were your the guys you were hunting with. Were you keeping them updated on all this? Were you not, together not, or were you not really? So okay, that's always a question I get. Is everybody says, "Well, when you got because I was the first one to get the picture up, and everyone's like, well, did you just keep it to yourself?'" And I was like, "Well, it crossed my mind." I was like, "But it was my lease mates, you know." And I was like, "They're going to see the deer at some point on their cameras, you know." So I showed it to them, and of course, then everybody was like, "Oh, dude, I'm hunting every day," you know, and um. And so it added a whole lot of additional pressure that I had to try to figure out not only how to get next to this buck's core area without him knowing I'm there. I'm also trying to do this while I've got other hunting pressure and scent from those hunters in there too. So it was kind of complicating the, the, the puzzle piece there a little bit. But like I say, I was just kind of using their stand locations to my favor, um, you know, um, in the wind direction to my favor, I was basically just going to the opposite ends of where they were hunting, um, knowing that the buck was going to smell them long before he ever got to, got to them. But, um, but yeah, so, so anyway, it's, so I get up Thanksgiving morning, I get up super early cause I, uh, you know, a few days 
previous, I've been getting some daylight pictures at like, you know, 2.30, 3.30 in the afternoon. And he's just out cruising, looking for does. And, and uh, anyway, so I get up really early and the wind direction for where I was getting in just about every day um, wasn't good. But I'm like, this is my best location to try to kill him. And um, anyway, and so I have what's called a ghost blind. I don't know if y'all have seen them. They're like mirrored panels um, that like reflect off the ground. So my stand is actually a bad wind direction um, for this location that I was going to sit. It's kind of a funnel pinch point. It's where his original, the big rub was that I first had the picture of him. There was a big acorn tree there and that was like his spot. He had rubs all over the place, uh, scrapes all over the place. And so I was like, this is where I really need to go to get a chance at him. And, uh, but the wind direction wasn't right. So I ended up taking my ghost blind and I set up on the opposite end. So the wind was in my favor and there was a Creek that, um, that I set up, you know, that behind me. So I knew that, you know, deer wouldn't come in from behind me and blow me out. And, um, and so anyway, I, I sit up right there and, um, it's kind of this pinch point where all this little finger of trees all comes together that, it was his part of his travel corridor and uh one other lease mate he was hunting that day too but he was probably three quarters of a mile from me and um anyway and so i told my wife i said hey i won't be late for thanksgiving lunch you know everybody's coming over at like 11 o'clock and uh i said you know i'll, I'll hunt till like nine and then come home and she's like all right you know just stop and get some sweet tea on the way home or whatever and uh so anyway I guess it's about eight thirty. Um, a buddy texts me or that was hunting out there and says, Hey, I just saw the drop time buck chasing hard on a doe and he was headed south, which is where I was sitting. But I'm going, he's chasing the doe. He's three quarters of a mile away from me. There's a ton of woods in between. I was like, the chances of him coming by me is pretty much slim to none. And so about 10 minutes goes by. And I hear crashing coming from the north. And I mean, I'm to the point now that I'm getting close to going home, you know, uh, packing up to head home. And I hear crashing, you know, running through the woods. And I can't see what it is at this point. And, but it, I mean, I hear limbs breaking and, and leaves, you know, thrashing all around. And so finally, I look over and this doe comes just blazing out of the trees. And she's she kind of loops around and turns and starts running right at me. And mind you, I'm sitting behind a mirrored panel, which I don't know if you've ever seen them like in person when they're blended in good, like you physically cannot tell that they're there. And she's running, I mean, flying right at me. And I'm going, she's about to run right over the top of me because I just look like branches to her. I mean, it, you know, she can't tell that there's a blind there. And so I turn and get, you know, kind of get turned to position thinking this is not going to be good. And she literally stops eight yards from me and I'm frozen. Like I'm talking so close that I can't move. And she turns and she's looking back and she tongues hanging out. She's panning. And of course my adrenaline is going through the roof right now. I'm like, dude, I mean, that's about probably the second closest I've ever been to a deer but especially when I'm thinking is about to run into me anyway. So she turns, she looks back, she's panting really hard and I can still hear her crashing, you know, running through the woods, but she's so close that I can't look 
and see what what's coming. You know, so I'm like trying to look as hard as right. I can out of the corner of my eye. And uh, luckily, she turns and kind of loops around a little bit. And when she starts going away from me, I look over and I see this mega wide rack with a drop time hanging down. And I'm like, oh, my God. But he's running just like she was running. I mean, not as fast as her. I mean, he was in a pretty heavy trot, but he's coming straight at me. I mean, literally like burning a hole through me. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to draw back. I mean, he's looking right at me. And so luckily that doe, when she kind of looped around, he changed his angle to cut her off. And I think that's the only thing that saved me because when he started, when he turned and started cutting off, um, you know, to, to catch up on her lead, he took his eyesight off of my direction and I was able to get everything pulled back. Uh, I had already ranged all the trees to where I was. So um, there was a couple limbs hanging down that I didn't have a clear shot right at the 30 yard mark, which is what I wanted. And so the next little lane was right at 40 yards which was still a little longer than I wanted to take a shot. And I was like, all right, it happened to me once. I've got to send it. You know, it's like, what? it was a ton of hours. And I'm like, I just, I, I have to try to make this happen. Anyway, so I draw back and it's the typical, meh, 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 you know, and I'm progressively getting louder and he ain't stopping. I mean, he's got his, you know, lip curled up, you know, head down and he's just cruising. And so I was like, dude, I'm just going to put it on a, a lead up on his front shoulder and let it go. And sure enough, it kind of brings back a little bit of dove hunting ritual, you know? And so I just let him a little bit, I released it and I see the, I see the, the Luminoc go right in behind the ribs, full pass through. And, um, I'm just, he, he bolts and he runs off and I see the, the, I see my knock shining on the ground. And now like, I'm just like overwhelmed with emotion of going, okay, well, I know the shot was good. I knew, I knew for sure it at least hit liver, like because of the angle, you know, it, it went from the backside of the ribs up through the, the far side shoulder. And, um, I was just like, did that really just happen? You know, of course, then I'm like shaking going, Oh my God. Oh my God. Please let this be a, a, a vital shot, you know? And, uh, cause that's always the thing that, that sinks. Then you're kind of going, man. I mean, I've seen some deer get shot where you're like, there's no way these things aren't dead and they live, you know? And so of course it's, it's running through my mind. Well, do I get up and look, do I sit here and wait? Cause I don't want to bump them if, you know, cause I just see them kind of go through the brush and then disappears. Uh, never saw them fall. And so I give it about 15 minutes and uh, I'm sitting there waiting. I text my wife and said, Hey, I'm going to be late. And, uh, you know, and uh, more brownie know, points. Yeah, exactly. And um, anyway, and so I get up, I was like, I'm going to at least sneak over here and check my arrow, check the blood and everything. So I go over there and look and it's just coated in blood. It had some darker blood, but I could see some bubbles. So I, I knew I was pretty much confident it hit, it hit the liver and then the far side lung. And um, anyway, and so blood is just poured out like you poured a paint can 
And so I was like, all right, man, I'm just going to go out where I last saw him. And it kind of went to this like open field on this strip of trees. And I was like, I'm just going to slip out there real quiet and at least see if I see any sign. If not, I'm going to back out just because I didn't want to take any chances. And so as soon as I round the corner, I see horns sticking up out of this grass. And um, I was just like, oh, my God. And I walk up to him and, you know, seeing pictures of him just did not do it justice. I mean, to walk up and to physically see a, a deer that you've basically been infatuated with hunting, you know, to finally get it. And, you know, of course, I, I text my buddy that was hunting and I, I sent a picture to him. He's like, no freaking way, you know, and, and it's kind of one of those deals where it's like, you know, you hunt your whole life dreaming of a mega giant to, to step out, you know, and, and it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just a surreal moment, you know, because it's a, you know, you always have high hopes for it, but it's like, I tell everybody, they're like, man, you know, you know, how do I, how do I kill, you know, a big deer? How do I kill 200 inch deer? I was like, well, you have to have big deer to kill, yes. big, you know, I mean, that's, it's like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, yes, you know, nutrition and things, can help, you know, but it's like, you've got to have the genetics, you know, to have big deer and, and then letting them get to that age structure. But, you know, so it's kind of one of those things I've hunted all over and it's always, you have that pipe dream of thinking, man, I hope a 200 incher walks out, but the biggest I've seen is like a 130, you know, and that's kind of the genetic pool there. It's I'm, I'm really in high hopes for no reason, you know, and, but it's uh man, it was just, I mean, it was overwhelming, you know, for a doll come to an end and, and have the story unfold the way it did. And kind of the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I was literally yards away from that being just a story of my second experience of going, yeah, I saw him on the hoof and he ran right by me. If that doe would have changed direction, if she would have physically saw me and blew and ran somewhere else and changed his direction by, you know, yards, he could have ran anywhere in that three quarter of a mile. You know, I'm just going, man, I mean, a lot of it is just a ton of luck. You know, I mean, as hunters, obviously we prepare as much as we can, you know, with, you know, shooting and, and, you know, stand placement and hunting the wind and doing all the right things. But a lot of it's just a lot of luck and he could have easily went a different direction and I'd have never seen him or just watched him walk by. Now I have seen some mega giants that, you know, I question why I bow hunt because I have a bow in my hand and they're at 80 yards and all I can do is watch them. And I was like, man, this is terrible, you know, but, um, but man, it's, yeah, it was, I mean, it's what dreams were made of, man. I, I, it was, you know, now, now Texas is not, when you think of, you know, monster whitetails, Texas is not the state that would be at the top of the list typically, but you guys sounds well, like you're, you're getting some good bucks down there. It's funny you say that because everyone always thinks and everyone assumed it was high fence because most of the ranches in Texas and prim primarily South Texas are high fence ranches, you know? And so, um, but the, the county I hunt in, which is Collin County, just opened a deer season in 2012. And, you know, we still have, um, you know, quite a bit of ag land. Um, and, you know, we have lakes here that have private corpse land, like Corps of Engineers land, that's uh, not huntable. I mean, you can duck hunt and pig hunt, but it doesn't 
have a draw or anything for, for deer. And so it's gone for decades with no hunting. Hmm. And, um, you know, and so it still doesn't have large numbers of deer, but the difference is it's got really good genetics and the deer get to the age structure to start producing. Um, because every year since they've opened a season, there has been a 200 incher killed with the exception, I think one year. And, uh, a friend of mine, a good buddy of mine, um, he's actually killed two 200 inches back to back in, uh, 2014 and 2000, uh, fi- or 2015, 2016. And, um, you know, so it's, it's got some mega giants in the Grayson County, which is just the County next to us. Um, there's, there's normally, if it's not a 200 incher, it's real close is killed up there every year. And we're, we are two of four counties that are still bow only counties in, uh, all of Texas. And, uh, we just had, we just had a petition go through, uh, there's actually a high fence, um, owner that is, he's trying to push to, uh, Texas parks and wildlife to make it open to gun season. You know, because obviously he wants to book gun hunts because people don't want to pay a bunch of money to come to a high fence place to use their bow because if you draw blood, you're paying for it. So I understand the aspect of why he's doing it. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, it's, uh, you know, we won't have what the caliber of deer that we have. I mean, they'll be shot out in three years if they open a gun season just because, you know, we're getting a lot of development. Uh, here a lot of, um, I mean, it's really kind of become an urban hunting, uh, for the most part. And so, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we, we have a test for that. How, how many yards were you from the nearest swimming pool? Well, so <laughs> the, the spot that I was actually hunting in is still a rural area. Um, still a lot of ag land, um, and things like that. And so, um, but I can tell you, uh, one of my other leases in Collin County, which there was uh, another buddy of mine shot a 213 on it last year, different spot is about 20 minutes apart. Um, that there's a swimming pool about 200 yards from me on that one. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so it, it's kind of one of those deals we want to keep it, you know, everybody's getting this conversation. Well, y'all don't want it just cause this is gun versus bow. You know, you're, you're bow hunting elitist. Do you think that it, I was like, man, it's not about that. I grew up gun hunting. That's, you know, I'm not opposed to gun hunting. My daughter, you know, shot her first deer with a gun at 10 years old, you know? And it's like, I don't make it about whether it's bow or gun, you know, if you're hunting, it's all about hunting to me. Um, but what I do have the issue with is kind of the, the, I don't know like what the right way to say it would be, but in terms of your judgment, you know, is I'm going, well, it's a little different on making a call to shoot a deer if you're within 30 yards versus you're looking at one at 300 yards that you can shoot with your rifle. You might not be shooting a deer that's the age structure that it needs to be, or you might not quite notice because Texas has a 13 inch rule. It's got to have a 13 inch inside spread or greater or it's not legal. Um, and you know, I think the problem is, is you start getting people in there with rifles and the age structure of the deer is going to suffer. And, um, you know, along with caliber of deer and, and you're going to have a lot of people that aren't doing things the right way 
You know what I mean? Because uh, there's a lot of poachers as it is now. There's a lot of people that, you know, don't get permission, you know, to hunt on certain properties or whatever where there's big deer. And so they just go on these core properties and poach deer and there's mega giants out there. But it's kind of like, well, what good does that do you to go shoot one? You can't show anybody, you know. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, it was kind of, kind of a funny deal. Cause kind of after all that, that whole deal unfolded, you know, and I'm thinking, um, you know, it, it come out in some publications. It was in North American whitetail. Um, it was in, uh, uh, Peter, um, uh, Peterson's magazine, uh, Texas trophy hunters, uh, magazine, um, some other publications. And so it kind of started opening some doors, um, with killing that buck. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And, and so when I had talked about, um, uh, originally I talked to, um, North America whitetail, you know, they were like, Hey, this one right now for 2018, they said, this one might make the cover of the magazine. I was like, Oh man, that'd be freaking awesome. Well, guess what? Guess who else shot a deer in 2013 or 2018? Uh, Luke Brewster. Y'all may have heard of him. Um, yeah with the world record. So kind of, kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but it was all good. I was like, you know, that's why, cause everybody's man, there's no way that's a free range deer, you know, that you shot. And I was like, dude, there's a guy that just shot a deer that's a hundred inches bigger than mine. I was like, you know, I don't understand what you don't understand about it, but, right. uh, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was awesome, man. It's everybody's like, man, you just need to hang it up now. It's over. You know, and, you know, for me, it's, it's not, I mean, do I think I'll ever shoot a 200 incher again? Um, I have some, seen some 200 inchers. I like say I was after one last year. Uh, he, he, I was guessing he'd probably be between probably 200, 210, somewhere around there. Um, you know, but it's kind of, to me, I rather shoot a mature deer. That's got some cool character or, you know, somebody, you know, one of them that's on a downhill slope um you know then then to shoot one just to shoot one you know what i mean because there's some deer here i mean we'll see some you know 150 inch two and a half year olds you know i mean you know it's and and that's that's where it gets tough you know is um when you're seeing some really big deer you know you see a three and a half year old 170 inch deer that's really hard to pass. But the difference is if you know the genetics and the potential for them, you're kind of going, this could be the next 200 incher if you would learn to age them and realize, but it's hard because I mean, we've gotten so much notoriety because of so many big bucks getting shot here that now it's getting an influx of hunters and a lot of them are just shooting everything, you know, and, and I get it. I mean, if you're paying a lot of money for a lease, you're kind of going, well, I'm not going home empty-handed you know i'm gonna yeah. shoot something and so i mean I, I get a little bit of both of that but it's um but i, 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 not, I, a, I love not a white tail guy but i'm curious to know jason how you can hear a story like that and not be like yeah white tails is awesome white tail hunting's cool I, how do i think that or not think that how do you not think that when you hear that story oh i like it it's a good story I do think whitetail hunting is cool. Heck, I did it this year in Wisconsin. So, yes. so what? What's your gig? Are you, are you a muley guy? Or are you an elk guy? You know, I like I like chasing elk. I like chasing mule deer, and uh, you know, blacktails. 
I grew yeah. up with blacktail, so they're they're kind of special. Yeah, that's I mean, cool. you know, there's there's places where I've gone and I didn't get any big bucks this year um, on camera, but last year I had a really really good mature buck, and I never caught him a single time on daylight. And I was moving cameras around. I talked to Jim Willems. I I said, "Hey, I've got this buck. He's completely nocturnal." I said, what, you know, what do I do? And he said, try moving your cameras on different trails. And man, I tried everything and never got a picture of him. Those, those blacktails, they just literally just go nocturnal. So it's, it's a little bit different. No, I like it. I'm looking forward to, to getting back after whitetails again this year. And, and uh, you know, sounds like you need to go to Texas, Jason. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, if they're passing up 170s, I definitely need to go to Texas. Well, yeah, well, let, me, let me put it this way. Not everybody's passing those deer. I, I'm, yeah. I'm seeing, I mean, unfortunately, I've seen some walking around with arrows sticking out of them, crossbow bolts sticking out of them that are barely even legal to shoot. And I'm just, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking, you know, because I'm like, guys, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, you know, I mean, I get it. I understand the meat hunting, but I look at it this way. Hey, if you're a meat hunter, then shoot a doe. You know what I mean? Don't shoot a little two-year-old buck that, has a ton of potential just because you want to shoot it, you know, and I don't go know, it's, what's up. I said, we can't go hunt with him, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's well, I'm not sure I can hunt in Texas if they have a 13 inch rule. Yeah. He's, he's in a 200, <laughs> 200 inch club. Me and you are still in the forky yeah. club. Yeah. But we dominate the fork and horn club, man. Yes, we do. Yes, absolutely. Well, we got our fair share of those too. That seems to be the only sheds I've ever found for some reason yeah just all the all the spikes see that's that's why you know they're they're harder to find than those big ones because the big ones stick out and you yeah, know that's right dylan and i that's why you know we kind of like the challenge of the smaller yeah. bucks oh yeah you know yeah, i, I mean it. it's it. you know it's a smaller target it's just it's it's just a uh, yeah, I completely relate. It was like shed hunting. You know, I mean, you're not a real shed hunter unless you're finding the spikes, you know, the little nubbin bucks, you know. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. The big ones you pretty much just trip over. So, yeah, I yeah. Get it. I completely can understand that. Yeah. So, oh, you shot an elk at 30 yards. That's cool. But I shot a 100 pound deer at 40 yards. Who's the best? <laughs> yeah. 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 Much bigger target. I mean, yeah. Impressive. So, yeah. That's cool. So, that's, that's, that's the story that we're going to stick with at least for a while. I dig it. Yeah. So what's, uh, so what else are you chasing? You, are, are you just, just whitetails at your focus or you chase a little bit of everything? Man, I, I like to do it all. Um, you know, something I've never shot is a mule deer. Um, and so that's on my list to do. Um, I've been, bear hunting uh, my uncle actually has a place in mena arkansas and he's got a ton of black bears up there and um for some reason i don't know if they just hibernate like when i go or what the deal is but it's they come in uh you know they do those bait barrels and stuff and they're mm -hmm. there at his cabins all the time until i go and then i don't i don't know uh, i'm, I'm kind of jinxed on that deal so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep sticking with it though so i, I still want to get a bear but yeah i do primarily you know uh whitetail hunt i do a lot of pig hunting um you know coyote hunting just trying to cut down on the population between the pigs and the coyotes here um 
love turkey hunting, dove hunting, duck hunting, um, you know, elk hunting. I, I was supposed to try to get up uh, in September with a buddy of mine in Colorado. I just couldn't shake loose to get things done, but I'd like to I'd like to get up there and and uh, take that adventure, man. That's uh, they're they're big. Well, and I always hear everyone say this. And of course, I I can't testify, but everyone always says if you ever tra- chase screaming bulls, you'll never want a whitetail hunt again. And, and I've had multiple buddies tell me that that were big whitetail bow hunters, and then they started elk hunting and got one, and it, it was over for them. And I was like, man, I mean, I I can I can understand, but you know, I was, I was born on whitetail hunting, you know, I mean, yeah. it was, it was it's just a, a complete different kind of hunt. I mean, with yeah. elk, you don't get that year long chess match of learning a deer and patterning a deer and, and studying a deer. And, you know, you're never going to have, like you talk to these Western guys and they're like, wait a minute, you've, you've seen the same deer for six years. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was, right. I watched, I watched it, you know, as a fawn and, 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 kept up with it you're never going to have that with elk hunting so um it's just a different kind of hunt i mean completely different kind of hunt the the week of hunting will always beat the week of deer hunting but you don't get the year-long chess match of of learning deer and and it's just different yeah see i mean i think that's kind of the thing for me is the is the history that you build with whitetail hunting you know because it's you know, you identify that buck and, you know, kind of their summer range versus their fall range. And, you know, it's, it's like that chess match where you're trying to outsmart this deer, you know, once they get to an age structure to where they're getting smarter and harder to get on, you know, that's, that's the challenge I like is the, I, I want to find the oldest, most mature deer there. And I want to try to outsmart him in his house. It's, it's, I don't know, it's kind of a weird, weird deal, but it's, um, um, you know, and then it's, if you don't catch up with that deer, then it's all right, well now I want to find the sheds and you find one side or both sides, whatever. And then it starts building a story, you know, and it's cool if you can go, Hey man, I've got the last three years sheds of this guy, you know, um, it's, I don't know. It just, it builds a lot more history where I think it, it almost makes it more personal, um, yep. with a particular deer, like a target buck more than it would. Yeah. Um, you know, another species, but I, I still want to, I still want to get up and do some mule deer and, and elk hunting though. Like, you know, backcountry type stuff, like the rugged terrain. And, uh, I actually went to park city, Utah for total archery challenge. Uh, it was my first time to Utah, uh, last summer. And I was like, dude, this is, that's gotta be awesome. Now the pack out would probably really suck. If you didn't have yeah. horses, but I was oh. like, man, I can, I can, I could see it. It's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Everybody wants to be a backcountry hunter <laughs> until you get yeah. an elk down you six miles from the truck. Yeah. And you look up and you're like, okay, the nearest road is up there. Yeah. It's going to be a <laughs> long day. Oh, I, I it can imagine. Th- it didn't take me to the pack out. It took me about seven minutes up the, the trailhead. And I'm like, I'm done with this crap. Yeah. Well, I, they, I quit. They, say, they say give yourself three to four days um to acclimate to the different elevation yeah we did it i did it really stupid my first out west hunt we drove overnight 
we drove 26 hours oh. over, got to Idaho and, um, met the guy we were hunting with. And, uh, and so we had been up for 26 hours straight on this drive and we get out of the truck and dude's like, you ready to pack in? And I'm like, why not? Let's roll, man. I'm like not even thinking anything about it. And, uh, like I said, we've been up for 26 hours. I go from, you know, 1200 feet of elevation to now getting out of the truck at six. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. I don't imagine. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I like I say I I want to do it, but yeah, it was it was eye opening to me because I like I say I've been to Colorado and you know other places, but kind of the getting acclimated to it when I went to Archer Challenge, same deal, you know, flying from Texas, um, you know, to to Utah and get out and you know we're like, hey, let's go up and shoot and and man, this Flatlander was not used yeah. to that i was just like i was huffing and puffing and some of the local guys were they were giving me crap man they were just like what's wrong dude i was like my it's like my muscles are wanting to go but my lungs don't want to help them you know it was yeah. just like I, it was like breathing through a straw man i was like i could not get oxygen but well, we went- after, after a couple of days you know i got acclimated and i was fine but that first couple of days was rough we were at a mountain archery fest in Utah and, uh, they were all laughing at me. And I think we were at, I think it was at 9,500 Jason. Um, it was, it was up there. Yeah. And we get up there and, uh, I just walk up a flight of stairs and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and they're like, to me and I'm like, dude, I live at 900 feet of elevation. Like this right. is, yeah. I can't, I couldn't sleep at night. Like, no, I couldn't, oh, yeah. I couldn't either. That, that was, I, I've been some some pretty decent elevation, but I'll tell you what, that trip was the the only time it's really hit me like that where I couldn't sleep. Like you literally had to breathe. You had to focus to breathe. You're like and it was that was a little bit different. I, I think some people don't recognize or don't realize exactly what that elevation can do to you. It can yeah. it can take it out of you. Well, and that was my first thought is I'm going, all I'm doing is carrying a backpack and a bow. I'm sitting there thinking there's no way I could pack a hundred pounds on my back and try to walk out here like that. I mean, it was, you know, I was having to stop and, you know, it kind of freaked me out for a minute. Cause I'm going, yeah. am I even going to be able to get oxygen at this point? You know, um, it was, um, but yeah, once I kind of got acclimated to it, 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 it wasn't too bad, but man, yeah, it was, it was kind of scary at first. I was, I was not expecting that. I was like, man, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It can hit you. So, all right. So, elks on the list and mule deer. You, you have plans. What, what's your What's your timeline? Are you putting Man, in this year? You well, I don't. I don't know. Um, so, I've got a. I got a buddy, uh, Dan Staten, uh has runs elk shape. Um, I'm maybe going to one of his camps that he's got here in Texas coming up here in the next month. Um, you know, and that's kind of what it is: is the conditioning and everything that is going to come with that and um maybe kind of try to prepare myself to just you know make the leap and 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 go go out and get over the counter and see you know see what we make happen but uh you know more for just the experience you know because i know a lot of people that they they go they spend a week out there and they come home empty-handed and it's like i don't i don't like to not be successful uh, especially if you're taking, you know, weeks of vacation or taking a bunch of time off, long trip up there. So it's like, I really want to 
make sure I do my homework. I'm going to a good location that's, you know, got a good number, you know, gives me a higher probability of, of getting one. I don't, I don't really want to just go hike around the mountains just to hike around the mountains and go, yeah, I didn't even see out. They're not here, you know? And so, um, so part of that's just doing a little bit of homework for me, but, um, the, uh, the mule deer, um, so I had Kendall Jones, um, offered to take me up, um, to Mexico and do a mule deer hunt. And uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't make the timeline work, uh, to go up there, but that's on my bucket list. Cause, um, the place she goes has some mega giants. And so, um, I'm gonna try to try to get that pinned down before long, but, um, and then, uh, probably Neil guy, Neil guy down in South Texas. I've hunted King ranch, um, a couple times and, um, you know, they've got some free range Neil guy out there, which I've seen some, um, but just not close enough to, to shoot. I mean, that that's another one. Cause I've heard that meat is amazing. Mm, yeah so uh, that's kind of another one on my list yeah i haven't i haven't hunted a lot at least big game that i haven't enjoyed eating yeah it's all been pretty good so far so and i was down in mexico a couple weeks ago and man the chef down there was making duck edible i'm like what what are we eating tonight he's like oh that's duck i'm like Really? Because I, I like that, the duck hunt, but I'm not a big fan of eating. Yeah, that, that takes talent. If you can make that Whew. taste really good. Man, it was good. I went back for seconds more than once. So. But yeah, um, yeah, Axis is another another big one. Dylan, I've kind of touched on that a little bit. But um, man, I, Axis is cool. You know, yeah. it's, uh, I've shot my, my first Axis in full velvet, or first any animal in full velvet uh, this last year. Um, and so, um, uh, so I may try to try to peel off sometime this summer, um, when they're hitting the rut and go chase those around. Cause that, that's really, that, they're really fun to fun to hunt too. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. Texas has a lot of different opportunities like that. Mm-hmm. So the odd ads. And- yeah. Javelinas, um, shot my first Javelina, uh, at the King Ranch, which, you know, they stink like nobody's been. So I, it's not, I didn't want to eat it kind of deal because yeah. it smells so bad. But, um, you know, I had it mounted. I mean, just a cool animal, you know, kind of nostalgic animal. Yeah. So, um, but the, um, but yeah, the, um, but the axis, man, I mean, there's places here, they're just covered up. I mean, and people are like, oh yeah, they eat all my plants. And I was like, hey, if you got a problem with it, you just let me know. I know a guy. I can- yeah, I can fix that for you. Yeah. You, you, you have a problem and I'm a problem solver. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, and I won't even wake you up by shooting a gun. Yeah. And, um, and I know there's been reports of way down South Texas, um, um, around like Chaparral and all that. They've got, um, warthogs now. Really? That, yeah. I know, uh, some had been seen around like San Antonio, uh, running next to the highway. Now we're assuming they probably got out of a high, got out of a high fence ranch somewhere. Right. I mean, we can only assume, right? Um, but um, yeah, that's a long it's a long swim for them. Otherwise, yeah, 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 I would say. And uh, and so, but the thing is, those things freaking breed like rabbits, you know. And so, it doesn't take long for them to take over. And so, that's been my bucket list because I was actually supposed to go to Africa with Kendall. Um, the year before last 
And then that was when all the COVID stuff hit and Africa wasn't yeah. letting anybody go over there. And, um, and we just didn't get it, didn't get it rescheduled, but yeah, that's, um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my bucket list for sure. Yeah. It's, it's something else, man. It's definitely worth seeing. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, the one question we ask everybody on the show is Chad, when you're out, whether you're in a, in a tree for whitetails or where you, whether you're climbing up the mountain next time you go for elk, what is one piece of kind of a non-traditional type item that you have with you when you go hunting? Non-traditional? I was going to say, because I don't leave home without a knife. Um, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a given, but I mean, I don't know if that's traditional or not. It's kind of funny because it used to always be a tradition. Like people always carried a knife or pocket knife, but now I see it more and more. My wife always says, Oh, get, uh, you know, have Chad get it. He always carries a knife. And then most people don't carry one, you know? Um, so I would say that's probably my traditional slash non-traditional that I, I just do not leave home without a knife on me. Uh, Dylan, I don't think when we can accept knife. No. Okay. All no. right. Well, that's, um, that's definitely, you know, if you're hunting, you should have a knife. If you're going, if you're going to Walmart, maybe not, but if you're going up on the mountain, you should have a knife. Yeah. You would be shocked. You'd be shocked. Yeah. Of, I've actually been around people that have shot an animal and don't have a knife to gut it. And I was like, Really? Okay. Yes. I'm not going to name any was names, that, but was that in Texas? <laughs> yeah, that, that was in Texas. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they were new. They were new to hunting, so I couldn't really blame them. But I'm like, so what did you think you were going to do with this animal when you were? Hey, you just chew a hole through it. Yeah. I, yeah. Man. Huh. So, but um, well, then I'll say probably what I always take, and I primarily bow hunt, but what I take um that's probably not traditional to people. Um, you know, cause I'm especially about hunting. I'm like super cautious about the wind. Cause it doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm partnered with scent crusher and all these. And I mean, they're all great to a certain degree, but you're not going to be a deer's nose a hundred percent. So wind direction is, you know, and knowing the wind and what it's doing is, is critical. And so for me, uh, you know, you got the powders, the silica powders and all that stuff. What I actually use is goose down feathers. And I, I don't ever see anybody else carrying them, but I have a, a, I actually bought like a like, bought them in bulk and they're a little small, not big feathers. They're a little, just a little small, but down, you know, it's like inside jackets. So they're extremely light and, but visible because like, you know, the powders you use, well, you can see the powder come out and you can see which way it's going. But what it doesn't tell you is if the wind's swirling. Because you can do a test next to them as you can spray the powder and you can watch it dissipate after about, you know, five feet from you, six feet from you. But the feather, you can actually watch it for 20, 30, 40, 50 yards, you know, floating down. And the funny part is, is you know, you might feel the wind's coming to your face and you let it go and it goes the direction. You're like, oh, I'm all good. And then you watch it and then it swirls and catches like a little wind tunnel or something and loops back around 
And then it starts making more sense if you see a deer acting skittish and you're going, well, the wind's to my face and this deer's off to the side, you know, then it kind of makes sense to you, you know, of, um, of what's happening. And so yeah. that's something I would say is probably not traditional. I don't really see many people do it. Um, I, we can accept that one down okay. feathers for checking the wind. That's a new one. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's, yeah. that's an interesting concept. I wonder if, wonder how many other people are doing that. I haven't you know, heard of it. You know, I've, the only people I've seen do something similar is, um, oh, uh, the hunting public. I've seen them use, um, the, um, the cattail, um, mm. you know, I'm talking about the little, uh, they're like yeah. little, I don't even know what they are. It's like little feathers that's on the end of cattails. I've seen them use yeah. those. But, um, but yeah, so I would say that's probably my non-traditional, uh, All right. I'm telling you, you guys, should try, you guys should try. I keep a little Ziploc bag and I have a, uh, I have a, you know, vinyl harness with my range finder and all that. And I put it in a pouch. So that way it's right there and I can just, you know, fill it out. And, and uh, you, remember little, uh, you remember the little coin purses that there's just a little slit yep, and you yep. put the coins in there. That'd be cool. Stuff and fold yep. that and then fill one out. Yep. yep. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just like that. I just use a little, it's like a little small Ziploc bag so it doesn't get any moisture or anything and make the feathers heavy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but I mean, they're so small, they're so small and lightweight, but obviously a bright white, you know, so you can see them for a long ways. Um, because like I say, the powders and stuff, um, you know, and they've got the other ones, um, it starts with a C like a Circa or something like that. It's like the smoke or whatever, but it does the same thing. It dissipates after, you know, a few feet right. from you. And so the the feathers I found work the best that tell the true story of what the wind's really doing, because there's been so many times that I've sat there thinking my wind's all good and I'll watch it get about, you know, 25 yards behind me and it'll swirl or like it'll hit like a little, I don't know, you know, like a little drainage ditch or something. It'll hit that and it'll just wrap around. And I'm like, Ooh, this ain't good. And there's been oh. times I've had to get up and move because of that, not knowing, you know, um, that the wind was doing that, but um, Interesting. You know, where, where I hunt it swirls a lot. So I really have to pay attention. I really have to pay attention to that. So, yeah, but that would probably be mine. Gotcha. Well, we will put that one on the list. So we'll, well, Chad, we appreciate you spending some time with us today and talking about bow hunting and, and, uh, your legitimate 233 incher. So I appreciate it guys. It's been a blast. I'm, I'm always down to talk hunting. Absolutely. Us too. We, we enjoy it. And it's, it's so neat to talk to different folks from, you know, guys that just love their whitetails and then guys that are chasing sheep and elk and all the different things. And, and it's always, uh, always a lot of fun. So we appreciate you spending some time with us today. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. All right. Well, Hey, good luck this fall. And, uh, hopefully you, you can go out and pop another one for the record books. Cause that will be new record book is coming out in, in April. So nice. you, you've got till the end of the year, All right. get another one in there. All right. Well, All right. I'll work on it. If you guys are ever down in Texas, man, look me up. We'll try to go get a hunt together. Definitely. Thanks so much, Chad. All right.